Welcome to Sports Beat Live, AFC Divisional Round Edition. This show is obviously brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. I am joined by my fellow All Juice team member, Vahe Gregorian. Vahe, my man, how you doing? I'm good, Herbie, and, and I feel like we're kind of lucky to, to be able to declare ourselves All Juice because I'm not sure who else would, but that's the beauty of... Uh, our sweatshirts in honor of our, our dear friend, Therese. And I think Therese would, would uh, agree, you know, with us wearing this attire. Are you drinking your coffee this morning? Yeah, today I got a City of New York Sanitation Department one. Uh, came from uh, my, my brother and uh, sister-in-law. I, I'm not sure quite why they chose us for that, but I think uh, they've got a sense of humor. Yeah, you know, lots to unpack here as the Chiefs. Uh, host the Buffalo Bills at Arrowhead Stadium Sunday night. This is a rematch, obviously, of Week Five's game uh, that the Bills won thirty-eight to twenty-four. Oh, excuse me, thirty-eight to twenty. And then the Chiefs beat the Bills in the AFC Championship game last year by thirty-eight to twenty-four. See, I knew I had the scores kind of flip-flop there. Uh, we're about ready to welcome our esteemed colleague Sam McDowell. Sam, how you doing, my man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, yeah, Sam. No all-juice team uh, sweatshirt for Sam, but he didn't get the memo. That's my fault for not sending him the memo. Or he didn't make the cut. (laughs) Hey, Sam made the friggin' cut, okay? He made the friggin' cut. (laughs) Well, that's true. No doubt about that. And speaking of making the cut here, and because of Sam's all-juice tendencies, we got to jump into the big news of the day, and Sam was busy from about midnight running this story down. Obviously, we're talking about Willie Gay's arrest overnight uh, for a misdemeanor destruction of property charge. Sam, you ran down the police report. You know what time he's supposed to be in court. Why don't you walk us through it and tell the audience what exactly is going on here with Willie Gay? Um, Yeah, Willie Gay was arrested last night, uh, Wednesday night, about 1030 um, at an Overland Park apartment complex and, and charged um, this morning with, with one count of criminal damage to, to property, which is a misdemeanor, a class B misdemeanor. Um, and according to the uh, Overland Park Police Department's uh, offense report, that damage was to a vacuum, a cell phone screen, um, a wall and door frame and humidifier totaling $225. He appears in court later Thursday afternoon, um, at which time... Um, we'll probably know more, but um, that's what we know so far. How, how do you think this will affect his availability potentially for Sunday? Is, is it going to affect it, or is this just something that he can he, he will be available to play? Well, I mean, it's certainly a question that um, I mean, heck, it'll probably be you, Herbie, that that will ask of, of Steve Spagnola. It's interesting that you know we should note that Thursday's the day that Andy Reid does not talk to the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and Herbie, you have obtained the, the chief's statement uh, on this matter, so we should share that as well. But um, the coordinators are the ones who speak today. And so Steve Spagnola, defensive coordinator, is, of course, going to be asked about Willie Gay. Um, from a football standpoint, um, which you know we always couch by saying is the less important part of this equation because we don't know exactly what occurred in this incident, um, Willie Gay is an important piece of the defense. He plays over half the snaps. Uh, particularly against a running quarterback like Josh Allen. I, I think Willie Gay's a, a, a very key piece of what they're, they're going to try and scheme up. And so those are some of the questions that the C. Spagnola will certainly be asked today um, about 
Yeah, and then Kirby, Jesus, I just, Sam, go ahead, go ahead, Vi. No, no. Well, I'll just say this. I mean, just to underscore what what Sam said. I mean, part of the complication right now is okay. We we have the document and we have uh, the, the report because of Sam's incredible diligence on this uh, up late and up early. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think it's fair to say we don't still really have a complete picture of what happened. And thus, I think we probably don't have a complete picture of the implications. I don't, I don't know, Sam, I think you're better equipped to speak to that than, than we are, but does that, is that a fair point? No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do think Herbie should also share what, what the chiefs said whenever he reached out to them about, you know, the sort of the same thing is what, what do you guys know about this? And, and, um, what, what are the implications? Yeah, and, and the Chief's response to this was, you know, we are aware of the situation. We will have no further comment at this time per team spokesman. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, football is secondary to everything that's going on right now, but the Chiefs will be practicing. Well, they're on the practice field right now, but, uh, you know, Willie Gay, if he's got a quarter appearance at 130, clearly he's not going to be there. And this is going to affect on the football side, uh, you know, his his preparation. If Willie Gay does not play, what are some of the options Sorry, Herbie, uh, that, just, that the just Chiefs to, could be looking at? Just just to cut in there, Herbie, um, we do know that Willie Gay is still in jail. Um, he was booked late last night or actually early Thursday morning after midnight. Um, and he remains there until his court appearance. He has not been released on bond. So um, we we do know he will not be at practice today because, of course, it, it conflicts that, that he's elsewhere. So who, who are some of the, the options here, given, you know, you mentioned Josh Allen, and he's one of the NFL's top mobile quarterbacks. He had, I believe, 54 yards rushing and a touchdown against the Chiefs back in week five. Uh, and, and it's important to note that Willie Gay was activated off of injured reserve that week leading to the game, and the Chiefs limited his snaps. I think he only played like 25 defensive snaps against the Bills then. But if he doesn't play, who's the guy to fill in for him? Yeah, you know, it's, I, I think that Willie Gay offers them something different than what they get in that linebacker room elsewhere. And another game we saw him miss was the game in Los Angeles against the Chargers. And something we saw the Chargers do a lot of were cutbacks on their running plays. Willie Gay has the speed that he eats up a lot of those cutback lanes. Well, a lot of quarterback runs run similarly. And so, you know, I don't know that they have – I, I do know that they do not have a like-for-like like replacement for Willie Gay because of his speed. So, you know, Nick Bolton's going to play. Uh, we know Anthony Hitchens is going to play. Those guys are in the mix anyway. We know Ben Neiman's going to play. He's in the mix anyway. I think the question becomes is we've seen Dorian O'Daniel in the past in a quarterback spy role. And do you want a quarterback spy um, for a guy who hasn't played? much this year and do you want that role in the playoffs and do you want to implement it that late we're on a thursday now that she's practiced wednesday thinking they'd have willie gay part of the equation they head into thursday not knowing if they're going to have willie gay part of the equation so i think it's the guys that they've rolled with most of the year and just asking them to do more Bye. Go, go ahead you're getting ready to say something. No, just this it's a, it's a very interesting question sam that you bring up um it it the the kind of working through the matrix or the Rubik's cube, whatever you, you want to call it for the chiefs, you know, do you go with guys who I think you can make the case uh, maybe less athletic Dorian O'Daniel's pretty good athlete, but he really hasn't had much time that I can think of at all this season in the sort of role you're talking about. So he might be most athletically suited, but, but not necessarily um, 
you know, obviously not as suited uh, in terms of, you know, just experience and, and what he's been able to do on the field before when he had more of a chance in the past. So I, I think there is a, a really interesting question there. I mean, it is a little late to, to do massive revisions too of any scheming. I mean, but let's face it, that that's part of what the, the call of the NFL is. You, you gotta, you gotta change it up um, and adapt to what's happening. So I, I don't know if there's any one answer they're going to come up with. Um, I, I, I sort of suppose they better have multiple answers. And that's a good point, Vahe, because I, I want to touch on what Brian Johnson just said there, bad timing. You know, from, from a columnist point of view, we we know Andy Reid loves to be, you know, he's so into the attention to details. He likes to be prepared. What does this do to the psyche of the team, knowing that your starting linebacker right now is going to miss Thursday's practice because of an off-field issue? Well, I think it's it's certainly to to use Brian's term. I mean, obviously, it's 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 frustrating because um, you know this is different than getting injured. This is different, obviously, than you know even exposure to COVID or something. I mean, um, whatever is going on here <clears throat> uh, is is a separate kind of issue that that uh, you know the whole the whole team would prefer not to have to deal with. And again, I'm I. I hesitate to just talk about it in football terms, but um, that, that's 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 what makes it different. The thing that makes it similar to other things is, look, this is a team that, you know, every team has to deal with sudden changes, right? Whether it's on the field or in-game preparation, whether it's somebody getting hurt uh, before a game, uh, you know, in a late week practice situation or something coming up with a uh, – you know, luxurious need having a, a, a death in the family. So it, it it's not like they're not equipped to or don't understand that they have to be able to deal with flux. I mean, that that much, you know, whether whether this has a different kind of impact because of the nature of it, that that's that's another question, I suppose. You agree with all that, Sam? Yeah, no, I think I think Bahe makes good points there. I mean, it's. um They've had situations this year that, that Baje alluded to with Legereus Sneed where they knew really late in the game that they were going to have to make some adjustments. Um, it doesn't mean it's easy, um, you know, and Baje is not saying that either. I mean, it's it's going to be difficult from a football perspective what, what happens. Um, and I'd imagine that when Willie Gay has not yet appeared in court, that the Chiefs, you know, are a little bit in the dark right now as well about, you know, what's going to take place on Sunday and at what point do they need to sort of have these these dueling game plans. And, again, stuff that we'll, we'll be asking a lot. And, you know, all, all the viewers should check out our coverage. And, you know, Herbie's going to be writing about this. I'm going to be writing about this. I mean, we'll, we'll be asking this afternoon. We'll be asking again tomorrow when Andy Reid talks. Like, these, these questions will be asked as far as, you know, his availability. Yeah, let me just ask this, Sam, and and I I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but I'm I'm very interested in the language of of the report where, you know, it refers to it as a domestic violence matter. On the other hand, it also says, I can't remember the exact term, but was it non-person misdemeanor, you know, class B non-person misdemeanor? And and. Please forgive me if, if uh, I'm putting you on the spot, but because it's it's language that's new to me, and and I, I don't know what I guess it goes to me back to not really knowing what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, just factually speaking, that you know the the document or the, the complaint says that it's a 
class B non-person misdemeanor, which constitutes which constitutes a domestic violence offense, and that's just the 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 language that that complaint uses. And um, don't feel comfortable saying more than that, just because I'm not um, it's not my expertise as as far as the law in Kansas and how that how that equates to that. Yeah, and we'll know, as Sam alluded to numerous times here, we, we and, and Vahe said the same thing. We'll know more on Willie Gay in the next 24 to 48 hours. Steve Spagnolo talks today, and then Andy Reid obviously talks Friday. And, and you know, after the 1.30 Thursday quarter parents, we'll, we'll get a clearer picture on what's going on with Willie Gay off the field. But, you know, off the field transitions to on the field. We know that the Chiefs and the Bills, this sets up as an instant classic, in, in my opinion, yet again. But before we get to that game, let's look back at week five. You know, the, the Bills beat the Chiefs 38-20, to 20, but Patrick Mahomes had himself a game to forget with two interceptions, a lost fumble. Byron Pringle lost a fumble and four turnovers in that game. You know, outside of those turnovers, what stood out to you guys about how the Chiefs lost that game? We'll start with you, Vahe. I just felt like um, they got they got down early. Obviously, the turnovers were a big part of that. Um, at that point, I think uh, I can't remember exactly how this played out, but I think we were all looking at each other in the press box, like, "Who is this Chiefs team?" I mean, I think we, I think if I remember right, we went into that day thinking, "Well, this is about the time where they're going to reset and uh, remind us of, of why everybody thought they they'd be well where they are now." Um, and so I, 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 I sort of felt like it was extending an early funk that was inexplicable to me in a lot of ways and certainly made us all wonder what was coming next. I don't think any of us covering it for the star felt like, oh, the Chiefs are toast. I just think we were all mystified. Um, and part of that was, I know you mentioned it, Herbie, and you're saying, you know, what else besides the turnovers, but the turnovers was really... <laughs> I know I harp on this every week, but it was both crucial and completely uncharacteristic of Andy Reid coached Chiefs teams. And it was the prevailing wave of the early part of the season. Um, doesn't mean they won't commit some uh, this week. You know, they committed two against the Steelers in the first half and you sort of got in, in their first five series and you sort of started wondering like, Rutrow, are they, uh, you know, looking, looking like early season form? So that will still be crucial in this. I mean, that's going to be very crucial in the early going as as the tempo and uh, just sort of foundation of the game gets set. Sam, you were obviously sitting next to me, or, or excuse me, Blair was actually in between us at that time. But, you know, I, I remember all the comments we had going during that game. What what stood out to you the most about that game? Well, it was, it was shocking to see a Patrick Mahomes team lose a game like that because we had not seen it in the regular season at all. You know, it was reminiscent to me of the Super Bowl um, for a couple of reasons. And the, the primary one is they defended. You know, we, we've talked so much about this deep shell that, that teams are doing against the Chiefs this year. And that's what the Bills did. And, man, did they have the personnel to do it. I, they, I think they have one of the very best safety tandems in football. Um, and then – at that time, they had Tredavious White. You know, Tredavious White's not going to be part of this game. He's out for the season, and that's a big absence on the outside for the Bills. But with those safeties, you know, Patrick Mahomes said it yesterday during his press conference, what makes them unique is they're both able to drop and they're both able to push up. 
And so you don't know exactly which guy's going to be playing free safety and which guy's going to be playing strong safety. So for all of this talk we've had, and I mean, heck, I wrote about it last week. You know, I, I think that these teams have, have given Patrick Mahomes a little bit of a, a, a benefit unwittingly by playing these defenses against him because he's practiced against it all year long now. And the Chiefs are considerably better against it than they were in week five because they're willing to be patient. They're willing to take what's there. But this is his biggest test yet because they've got the best personnel in this sort of structure. Yeah, and Micah Hyde, that, that, that crazy interception, over-the-shoulder interception he had last weekend against uh, the New England Patriots. And Sam points out their safeties are, are highly athletic, they're highly capable, and, and Hyde showed that with that play. Before we jump ahead as to what has changed, because a lot has changed from that game uh, for both teams, let's take a quick break here uh, with a word from our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans. This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere else? Thank you for our sponsors there. You know, as we look to this game, I I think it's important to note also that Chris Jones didn't play that game. He had a wrist injury back in week five. Shaverius Ward was still dealing with a quad injury. I see the comments blowing up about Daniel Sorensen, and then they're right because that was actually the last game he started. In week six, the Chiefs finally made the switch to Juan Thornhill. Uh, But as we look at this game here, what needs to happen for the Chiefs to erase the mistakes of week five to come out of the the victory here in the ASC divisional round by? Uh, Did I mention turnovers? Um, (laughs) You know, it is funny, though, Herbie, and and I – I think we've probably all done this in some form this week. I tried to quantify it. I think even in the column uh, from Sunday's game, how many things are different on the defense, you know, from Melvin Ingram to uh, some, some revisions of the starting lineup, um, including, you know, Thornhill for Sorensen and and things like that. Um, So, What's really interesting to me the most is that Andy Reid has made this point. Sean McDermott made it the other day, too. They have played each other so much. This will be the fourth time they've played each other in two seasons, right? And each of these games has had kind of a little different dynamic to it. Um, and and it, so what I wonder about is how much um, they'll be able to – how much any either of the teams will be able to – get to what it was that worked so well for them in the past games. I mean, it's not that long ago that Clyde Edwards, Hilaire ran for 161 yards against the bills. I'm not saying, well, I mean, that's not going to happen, but um, it, it points to different pressure points that each team is going to be looking to, to take advantage of um, while contending with the wrinkles, the other team is going to throw at them. I think it's just totally fascinating. And I know I didn't answer the question, but that that's what I feel. No, you answered the question, but, you know, we've also seen the evolution. You mentioned the Melvin Ingram wasn't there for that game, and he, he's been huge for this defense. No ands, if buts about that, because his arrival and a healthy Chris Jones, a healthy Frank Clark for the 
second half of the season has certainly led to this defensive uh, renaissance, so to speak, you know, for lack of a better term, but they are a different defense. But offense, Sam, and, and you and I know this as well, you know, the, the deep ball, as you mentioned, was not, you know, teams were playing against that. But Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and that offense has evolved uh, to where they are taking advantage of the underneath shots. Can this work against this Bills defense? Yeah, I mean, uh, it certainly can. The Chiefs have proven that it, it's worked against other teams they've seen play the same way against them lately. So, you know, offensively what needs to change is that they need to play the way that they've been playing late in the season because they're going to see a lot of the same defensive structure. Um, defensively, they hit Josh Allen one time in that game in week five. I think including the runs, he had the ball like 32 times or something, and they hit him once. They didn't sack him at all. And, you know, so you look at that and you say, okay, can you change something there? Chris Jones didn't play. Melvin Ingram wasn't even on the team. Frank Clark was playing for the first time in three weeks after his second hamstring injury. It's a completely different defensive front than what they had in week five. And you talked about the back end, and, of course, that's been a, a very important change, getting Juan Thornhill in the lineup. Um, but there's reasons to believe that their offense can be better against the Bills than it was in week five, and their defense, because the personnel, can be better than it was against the Bills in week five. Um, having said that, you know, the Bills are a better team, too, uh, particularly on the defensive end. You know, the Bills have the number one ranked defense in the NFL in points and yards allowed this year. And offensively, what, what's been really weird about this team is the last 10 weeks of the season, Josh Allen's passer rating was 84, which is, is not a great number, of course. So after he blitzed the Chiefs, he struggled for the next 10 weeks of the, of the last 10 weeks of the season. But then you look at the last week against the Patriots and they scored on all seven drives and he throws five times. I mean, he just has a, an amazing game. And so which Josh Allen are you going to get? You know, I think we've seen lately which Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs can expect to get. Um, but to me, the entire game comes down to what Josh Allen are we going to see on Sunday? And, you know, Sam, to, to amplify your point further, I mean, we, part of the big turnaround with the Chiefs and, and uh, both of you guys have emphasized this, but once the defensive line became a factor, things changed. And to your point explicitly with Josh Allen, I mean, you have to think this defensive line is going to uh, touch Josh Allen a little more than it did last time. And, you know, that just from the get-go starts it off. How much he zigzags through them uh, for a run is, you know, you know the, the one of the big X factors. I, I think it's – it. Look, there'll be a lot of different ways this game is won or lost. It'll be interesting to see which quarterback has more running yards, though, and how that impacts the game. I think, if anything, when, when you look at this defensive line, I think the Chiefs right now are well-equipped to handle him compared to what they were in week five. You know, it can't be stated, understated enough how much uh, Melvin Ingram's arrival ha has meant to this team. And then Chris Jones, obviously, his flexibility now to move inside – that's a presence that was missed in week five. You know, you got to be able to contain and get pressure up front from inside. And that's what Jones gives them. And Sorensen, you know, I, I think when we look back at that game, one of the lasting images from that game is uh, Tyron Matthew doing this, <laughs> you know, putting his, head, his hands up on his helmet as Dawson Knox, the tight end, somehow got loose down the right sideline. I don't think that's going to happen this game. I, I just can't see that happening this game. You know, the defensive well, one end, thing, defensive end. Go ahead, Tim. The other reason the defensive end uh, point is important is because a lot of what Josh Allen runs, you know, a lot of Patrick Mahomes runs 
heck, almost exclusively all of the Patrick Mahomes rushes are, you know, scrambles. He gets yards when the, the passing isn't there or he sees a lane. That's not how the Bills operate with Josh Allen. A lot of what they call are designed runs, and you have to recognize that's the play. It's a read option or it's just an option play. And so what becomes really important are that your defensive ends stay home and they read the play. And we, we've, we've heard a lot this season, and, and Vahe wrote really well about it on Sunday. A lot of what Melvin Ingram does doesn't show up in the, the actual statistics. One of the things he does really well that doesn't show up in the statistics is he sets the edge and keeps guys to stay home. And so I, I and Frank Clark does that too. He does that well, by the way. That's one of the reasons they brought him to Kansas City in the first place as much as pressuring the quarterback. So I think they have the defensive ends that are in a pretty good spot to defend against the design runs the Bills have. The question comes down to, to where we let off the show, is which is the linebacker situation, because we feel like Willie Gay is as equipped at linebacker as anybody to handle a guy that can do that sort of thing. Yeah, you need that athletic linebacker or even a safety. Like maybe even put Tyron Matthew as a spy uh, on Josh Allen, which which makes perfect sense because you know this is a guy that can hurt you with his legs. Well, if, if you put if you put Tyron Matthew as a spy, you're putting 49 in the back end, um, which is something <laughs> that is something they've done recently. By the way, we saw them do that in Denver. Um, you know, it, it, which surprised me. We saw Daniel. We saw him do it in Cincinnati. Daniel Sorensen was in a cover two and got toasted in his own play cover two by Jamar Chase. We saw it in Denver on what we all thought was Drew Locke's best pass of the game to Tim Patrick. Daniel Sorensen was in cover both because um, Tyron Matthew was close to the line of scrimmage. You know, Tyron Matthew likes to play close to the line of scrimmage. I, I think they're better off with him further back because it puts Daniel Sorensen more in that role close to the line of scrimmage. But I absolutely think that's one of the questions the Chiefs have to ask themselves scheme-wise this week is, you know, if Josh Allen has a hell of an arm. You know, we all heard he thinks he can outthrow Patrick Mahomes as far as distance. And so I don't think I'd want 49 on the back end when that is my quarterback. I, I'm more comfortable having that guy in the back end last week against Big Ben Roethlisberger. I think, you know, I saw a comment earlier. Someone was mentioning, you know, Shaveris Ward should travel with Stefan Diggs. Diggs, obviously, the, the Bills' clear number one wide receiver. And, you know, we mentioned this on Sunday's postgame show. One of the lasting images from last year's ASC championship game was Diggs standing on the field as the Chiefs hoisted the Lamar Hunt trophy, winning the ASC championship over the Bills. <laughs> Vahe, I, I hate to do this. I, I promise you I wasn't going to do it. But if you had a certain background, how much does that play into a psyche of an athlete, you know, as an extra motivational ploy? Well, I'll, I'll say this, Herbie, uh, to the uh, uh, fabled football program that you're referring to, you know, we won two games in three years from 1979 to 1981. And that was absolutely what uh, drove 1982. And of course, the as you well know, the first Ivy League championship in 23 years at the University of Pennsylvania. And I realize you're talking about it in the moment, but there's no doubt that uh, that past anguish, right, that, that kind of feeling, we know that in, in all our lives in different ways. And um, it is funny, these are professional athletes, but we see it all the time where they have to invent something to spark them a little more. Well, this one isn't one you have to invent. This one figures to be deep seated. And let's remember, I was thinking about this earlier in the week too. It sort of 
something Sean McDermott's facing. You know, Andy's legacy until the last couple of years was a guy who's just never quite getting over the top. And I think that that's something where that's driving Buffalo now too. They've been right there. They 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 know they're as good or better as as the Chiefs are now, at least based on what they did early in the season. So all that's I think a pretty powerful uh, stew of stuff for them to come into this game with. I mean, we know the Chiefs will be ready. I believe the Chiefs will be ready, but I think we should assume Buffalo will be really driven in this game too. But what's interesting about that part is that the Bills have we've all thought from the outside, it looks like the Bills have built themselves particularly to beat the Chiefs um, with the speed that they're, uh, you know, stockpiling in the secondary, the safeties we mentioned, the cornerbacks. Of course, one of the cornerbacks they got was in that Patrick Mahomes trade. But um, I was surprised to hear that Andy Reid yesterday kind of acknowledged that the Bills have been building just to beat the Chiefs. And he said, you know, that, that's part, that comes with the territory. When, when you've made a couple Super Bowls, and typically the goal is just to be the best team, um, not to be better than a specific team, but that, that speaks to where the rest of the league views the Chiefs. And like I said, you know, it's one thing for all of us to kind of think, oh, you know, that move looks like it might be, you know, to, to do something against the Chiefs next time they face these guys. Um, but for the head coach to acknowledge it, then it becomes very real that that's what's going on in Buffalo. And, and speaking of Andy Reid's comments and – Sorry about to, to, apologies to producer Monty in the background. <laughs> this is exactly what Andy Reid said yesterday or Wednesday that that Sam was talking about. Hey Andy, um, in what ways, if at all, does does a Week Five matchup factor into a playoff matchup? Um, yeah, well they they got after us, um, so. I, I'm sure they'll change some things and a little bit like what I said last week, they'll change some things and we'll change some things. And um, we played them so many times here in the last couple of years and, you know, you got to kind of mix it up a little bit. So, um, and I'm sure they feel the same way. Let's go next to Seren Petro. Go ahead, Seren. Uh, Coach, along those lines, uh, does familiarity maybe give you an opportunity to, you know, because you've set a, a trend of what you do, does it maybe give you an opportunity to set somebody up easier, uh, if, if that makes sense, that, that they have a book on you so you can work backwards against that uh, easier? Oh, I, listen, I don't know. I mean, that book would have two covers to it because they they probably feel, you know, they feel the same thing if that's if that's the question. So I, um, I, I don't know about that. I, I They'll know us, though, and we'll know them and you know, we'll just go out and play football, I think, is what, what you'll see. So, in, you know. Let's go next to Harold Koontz. Go ahead, Harold. Hey, Andy. When you do look back at that Week 5 game, you also kind of realize to yourself, wow, we changed a lot as a team from that game, too, just both offensively. And then, obviously, with the defensive starters that were out in game Week 5, that's obviously changed, too. So, do you guys look back at the film and appreciate how much you guys have changed since that day? Yeah, well, listen, I think the neat part about this – this game uh, is coming up here is that both teams are relatively healthy. And um, at this time of the year, that's a great thing. I mean, it should lead to a, to a heck of a game. And, um, uh, you know, I know the guys that didn't play look forward to the challenge of playing. I mean, it's, you love this kind of competition and these kind of games. Relatively healthy, and he's right. The Bills only had one player on Wednesday's injury report, defensive end Mario Addison for the Chiefs, 
Rashawn Fenton and Daryl Williams didn't practice, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire returned to a full practice. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how things progress with Edwards-Alaire on Thursday and Friday. But, you know, to Andy Reid's point, this is going to be an entertaining game. And, and as we've mentioned here, let's talk X factors here, gentlemen. Uh, you know, I think right now the line was moved from two and a half to one and a half. The Chiefs favored by one and a half at home. And that's almost like unheard of. Uh, for a line to move in the middle of the week. Sam is our, our, our uh, he writes a lot on the line. We're, how surprised were you that the line moved? Um, I mean, not, not you know, crazy surprise. I expected the line would open around two and a half, and some places had it two and a half, some places had it three. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the telltale signs comes what happens on Saturday and Sunday, you know, when the, the quote-unquote sharps like to put a lot of money on a line that they think is skewed. Um, so we'll see what happens over those course, the course of those two days. But somewhere within a field goal, I think, makes sense for this game, right? I mean, you look at the way these two teams match up. I don't think either result is going to surprise any of the three of us. I don't think it's going to shock us if, if Buffalo comes in and wins this game. They're, I, I think these are the best two teams left in the playoffs. I, I really think that doesn't mean that the winner of this game wins the Super Bowl. A lot can happen. Um, but I do think that these are the best two teams in the NFL right now. So it's time to put you on the spot here. I, you know, I will say this. Back in week five out of our esteemed panel, I, I think Sam and I were the only ones that picked the Bills to win. So do we have deja vu this week, uh, Sam? Who's your prediction and then who's your X factor? Yeah, I've, I've gone back and forth on this this a lot. It, it's, it feels like a last team that, that has the ball in you know, a game-winning field goal situation. Um, but I, I do think, you know, for, for the second time this year, I'm going to pick against the Chiefs. And I, I think Buffalo wins this game by, by a field goal. I think it's about a 27-24 to, to 24 game. Wow, okay. Bye. Well, 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 who's your X factor? What's the X factor? Yeah, you know, I, I, um, I, I think Patrick Mahomes in the offense plays better. Um, but the reason I think the Bills win is is I do think that the Josh Allen gets some rushing yards against these guys. You know, I think he picks up some key first downs that way or prolongs drives that way. So, um, you know, it's easy to pick the quarterback, but I think specifically the quarterback because of his rushing ability is going to play a key factor. Bye. Uh, my prediction is 31 to 27. Do you care which team? Yes, we do care which team. That matters. Oh. It can't be the Steelers uh, this week. <laughs> I'm going with the Chiefs, 31-27. And my X factor is either a Daniel Sorensen pick six or he creates a crucial uh, crucial turnover with wow. knocking a fumble loose. Wow. That's <laughs> an X factor. Wow. That That is a, a total X factor. I, look, I, I, I can't disagree with Sam here. You know, we, we've been – I think we've saw we've seen eye to eye on so many of these games this year, and I, I just think, and I'm going to use Vahe's example there. I, to me, when I see Stefan Diggs standing on the field and watching that presentation, and he's right, you know, players do have a way of motivating themselves. We see it in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Remember, he feels he's snubbed. You know, what did he do when he counts on his fingers? You know, I, I think the Bills are are equipped to beat the Chiefs. They showed it in Week Five, and I think uh, the 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 team that we saw that destroyed a Bill Belichick team this past weekend is the same Bills team that beat the Chiefs in week five. I'm going to pick the Bills, and I also think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go 27 to 24 
uh, with that game there. And the X factor is Josh Allen. You know, so he's he's, he's the score. You couldn't even you couldn't even change the score. I mean, you Wait, mean, you picked 27 24 too? I did. Oh, I thought you said 17 14. Okay, 31 to 28. There you go. There, there's my prediction. <laughs> so this this will be look, whatever happens here, we all think it's gonna be a close game. We think this is gonna be an instant classic. You know, the game can go either way, obviously. Uh, but I, I just think we are really in line for a fantastic game. And with that, join us after the game and we'll find out if Vahe was correct. You know, we, the majority, the minority here could can laugh at the majority if, if he's correct here. Uh, but join us Sunday night after the game. We will come back with a Sports Beat Live post-game edition brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System with Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian. And for our producer, Monty in the back, I am Herbie Teope. Have a good day.